Are you looking to grow revenues, increase profitability, or obtain financing? If so, you came to the right place. Running a business is all about leadership. How do you become a better leader? Learn from the successful entrepreneurs and business owners how to lead your organization more effectively. That's why we created Leadership Live at 805, Talking Small Business, to help you succeed with your host, Andrew Frazier, Business Growth Pro and CFO and founder of the Small Business Pro University. Every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're joined by experienced entrepreneurs and business owners who share their secrets to success via live stream. Also, every Friday morning, we release a new podcast episode. Either way, you will learn about developing your business leadership skills from our roster of highly performing guest experts. Leadership Live is one of the many valuable resources provided through the Small Business Pro University, empowering business owners to learn, profit, and grow. Find out more at sbprou.com. Welcome back to Leadership Live at 805. I'm your host, Andrew Frazier, and very excited to be back with you once again this Tuesday. Actually, it's even better because I'm back home in New Jersey, spent two weeks in Pittsburgh, and had a great time with my mom and my family and you know, working on some projects, but it's always good to be home, back in your own studio, back in your own bed, and all that good stuff. But tonight, um, like each Tuesday, we try and bring you something valuable to use as an entrepreneur and a business owner to make your business more successful. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And that's why we're here for you. And, you know, each of our guests is great. And we have a really um, exciting show for you this evening. Um, as you know, you know, at the end of the day, being successful in small business is really about leadership and developing your leadership skills. So the better leader you become, the better business you're going to have. So that's why we really focus on leadership. We talk about small business and we bring in leaders who have done, who have been in your shoes, who are in your shoes, who understand what you're going through, what you're doing and have done it successfully and really bringing something special to the table that will bring you insights and information and knowledge that can help you be a better leader and be more successful in your business. And this week, just like each other, um, we have our special guest and he is an advisor and consultant and really worked with so many businesses with a focus on technology and helping them to transform their business with technology in many different ways. You know, he works with technology companies to help them bring their products to market and help them successfully do that. But not only that, he's an expert in blockchain. He just finished a book on blockchain that is out through, you know, University Press, um, very groundbreaking and, um, you know, really in the forefront of that area. And, you know, but he also got a lot of experience working with non-technology businesses and really helping them figure out how to bring their products to market and also how to use technology within your business to run your business better and more effectively. So at this time, I want to bring on Darrell Gunter. So chat about small business. Hey, Darrell. Andrew, how are you? Uh, you know, it's, it's such a pleasure to be interviewed by such a great friend. Uh, we've known each other for quite a few years now. And, uh, Appreciate the opportunity to come on and share my thoughts about technology and small business and business in general. Yes, no, definitely. And, you know, we've known each other for, for many years now. Uh, I think someone back in the day was like, you need to know Darrell. <laughs> so we've reached out, uh, connected, talked. Um, Darrell runs a leadership program or radio show. Um, for Seton Hall University, and he's been doing that for many years. And I've had an opportunity to be, be on his show as a guest, which was outstanding. And um, you know, he's been the featured guest speaker at one of my Power Breakfast events. Um, you know, as you know, we have great people come and talk at the events. And you know, really just having an opportunity to have him back uh, back here is is excellent. So thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to join us this evening and, and just share your 
knowledge and expertise with entrepreneurs and business owners, um, you know, who are going through some of the challenges that you faced and help them to be able to overcome them um, more effectively. So, and successfully. So thanks. And you know, Andrew, uh, my, my education in business started at the age of four, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, in the grocery store, Gunter's Market in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And nice. uh, my mother, she ran the grocery store and my mother had a ninth grade education. But what I learned from my mother has served me well throughout my 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 career, both in small and large businesses. Okay, excellent. So you you got me beat. I I, I had my paper route in fourth grade, so I thought I started early. Well, but, I had I had a TV guide route at the age of four. There were three customers I had to deliver the TV guide to, and my mother would stand outside of the store and watch me go up the street to Miss Gardner's house over to Ms. Holmes and Ms. Williams and uh, deliver their TV guy. Excellent, excellent. So good, good home training, excellent. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you've done so many great things. You know, you've gone, you've, you've been in corporate, you've been in, you know, on running your own business, you've helped people run their businesses, you've been in education. Um, so you've had, uh, you know, everybody has their own unique journey that brings them to where they are now. So, uh, you know, take a few minutes to just introduce yourself, start from where you, you know, from, you know, your four year old entrepreneurial experience and bring us up to date to how you got to where you are now and, and what you're doing now. So do we have a couple hours for this? <laughs> no, <laughs> but, um, you know, grew up in my family's grocery store, working in there at the age of four. Um, and from there, had a paper route, of course, after the, after the TV guide route, had a paper route for the Philadelphia Bulletin. And that's when I started to learn about quality in my mother's grocery store, because we were a corner grocery store and my mother would only sell what she felt were the best products, um, the meats, uh, vegetables, uh, the canned goods, um, all of the, the best brands that she felt that the neighborhood needed. And I learned the value of, of money at a very early age because my mother's markup was only 20%, which, which was penny. So grocery store business is, is a penny business. And um, so if someone said, oh, I'm short a penny, my mother would go, no, no you got to uh, bring that penny back. Um, and, and that taught me the importance of um, the commercial side of the business as well. And in high school, I started um, working at McDonald's. And I, I have to say, you know, with the training that I received from my mother, and then, of course, the training that I got from McDonald's my junior, senior year in high school, just phenomenal. I mean, really, I mean, they had videos on how to sweep a floor, how to wipe a table. Um, of course, they had the whole what I like to call white glove service of customer service down to a T. And then um, my first year in college, I decided that I wanted to follow my brothers and work in the uh, city's best uh, clothing shop called Jules Men's Shop. And um, that summer, I found out just how good I was in sales because even though I was just there for the summer, I was the number one salesperson selling clothing. But I also had a mentor and that mentor was a gentleman by the name of Gene Wallace, who was renowned in uh, fashion and retail sales in the tri-state area. And I followed Gene over to a, a, another store, Louis's other place that was in Margate uh, during my school holidays and further my education with him. Um, upon graduating from Seton Hall, I uh, wanted to work at Xerox. And um, I did two years at Xerox. Uh, I was blessed to be ranked uh, in 1983. I was ranked number 20 in the nation, number one in my branch. And uh, from there, I was recruited over to Dow Jones Financial News Services. And that's where my love for technology just completely took off. At Xerox, I was selling copiers, but I was uh, I first saw the Xerox Star System in 1981 in their demo room. And I, and I purchased uh, a Xerox desktop which the floppy was actually five and a half inches. It's called the Xerox H20. And then at Dow Jones, um, even though I was working in Dow Jones Financial News Services, 
uh, they had a product that they were helping their sister company, Dow Jones News Retrieval, to launch, where the Dow Jones News Service team was the sales agent for them. And that was 1983. And that's where um, you would actually go out to a client's office with a Texas instrument decoupler machine. You take a phone, put it in the ear cups, dial a number through TimeNet or Telenet, and you would connect to a database and you'll be able to download financial information, movie reviews, sports, etc. This was 1983. And so I was one of the first salespeople on the street for Dow Jones um, selling this particular online service. Then, of course, as, as news retrieval grew, they, they got their own sales organization and I was just selling the Dow Jones financial news products, news wires, if you will. And um, I was very fortunate, Dow Jones, um, my first few months there, they, they needed someone to go to California. So I relocated from New York, to California, um, the manager five state territory at the age of 24. I was very blessed, very lucky with that. And parlayed that success into a promotion a few years later to be the Midwest regional manager, 19 states. I still was a working manager, had my own territory managing two other salespeople. But that experience in Chicago really did a lot for my growth. Uh, number one, I had to manage uh, some very difficult personalities. Uh, Dow Jones was uh, financial news service people were, were in a, a union, believe it or not. And uh, I had to make sure that I was managing them effectively and correctly and within the guidelines that, that they, the agreement that they had with the union. Unfortunately, uh, one of the folks that I had to let go sued us for uh, age discrimination. So I actually, at the age of what, 28, 29, or 30, trying to remember the year, it's been a while. Um, I went through the experience of a federal age discrimination case. Learned a lot from that. Um, and then I became the Western Regional Manager, uh, 34 states, still out of Chicago. And a couple of years later, I was promoted to be the National Sales Director and moved back to New York. Um, and, and, and was able to build that organization. That's when I learned how to position and build. But while I was in Chicago, I, I stopped off at Lake Forest Graduate School of Management, uh, did my executive MBA program on the weekends. And um, I tell you, it, it, I, education, I don't care what type of education it is, it's so good. And, and, and uh, reading books and whatnot, very, very important. There's always so much to learn. Um, but then as the national sales director, I had a team of seven salespeople managing a hundred million dollar business with each salesperson had, had had hundreds of accounts. And I realized that we needed to, to grow the organization. And uh, for our next budget year, I pitched that we need to double the size of the organization. And it was unprecedented. And I'll never forget that Friday when I presented it, um, the management team disagreed with me. And I, re and I remember very distinctly saying, we are in a, we're in a war fighting Bloomberg, Standard Poor's News Service, uh, Reuters at the time. And if we're, if we're gonna be able to, to fight this war, we need to have resources. We, we're sitting on a cash cow business, but we're gonna lose this cash cow. And I said, I thought we were all in it to win. I said, have a good weekend, gentlemen, and I'll see you on Monday. Well. That Monday came around, and uh, my manager at the time, Craig also, uh, he was the director of the group. He came back, he says, you know, Darrell's right. We, 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 really need to, um, we really need to grow this business. Not only are we gonna take his proposal, but we're gonna add some more marketing, some more resources. And, and that made me feel real good because I had invested a lot of time with Dow Jones moving around the country, but also in my education. And I just felt in my bones that this is something that, that we needed to do. We went on to have um, very successful years. And then a couple of years later, uh, a company by the name of Elsevier, part of Reed Elsevier at the time, they call themselves Relics now. They were looking to hire someone who could, uh, who understood the digital market, who could build an organization, but also introduced long-term agreements, something that, that, that I did very successfully at, at Dow Jones. But this is what I wanna share with folks is, is how to pay it forward. Because you never know when you're paying it forward how someone's gonna pay it forward for you. Now, the interview that I got with Burt Davis uh, to interview as executive search from the interview with Dow Jones came because 
there was um, someone who worked at Dow Jones uh, who um, had a friend who wanted to work in our radio group, but she didn't know anybody. So they said, hey, Darrell, would you mind introducing so-and-so? So I said, sure. You know, I looked at the resume. I said, no, no, she's qualified. So I interviewed her. I, I, not, not interview, I introduced her to Bob Rush, who was head of radio at the time. And she was a star. She got the job. So mind you, some months later, or a year later, she's at dinner with the, 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 the friend who asked me to introduce her. And she said, you know, this company Elsevier, they're looking for somebody who understands the digital marketplace because they got to convert their market from print to digital. They're, they would need somebody who could introduce long-term agreements, but also build an organization. And, and she says, boy, do I have the person for you. And that's how I got introduced to Sally Dugan at, at Bert Davis. And um, I interviewed, went through a whole interview process and, 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 and I was blessed to, to be offered the position. And over the next 11 years, my organization grew from zero to 135 FTEs. We took that revenue from 275, 285 million to 385 million over the 11 year period. We introduced Science Direct, Scopus, hundreds of other products. And my organization was the most successful organization uh, out of the four regions that Elsevier had. However, you know, um, I was looking forward to that next step. And uh, John Ragazzi, a retired CEO of Elsevier New York, was on a board of a company called Colexis. I hadn't heard of, nobody had heard of them. But they, they were dealing in semantic technology, dynamic search. And um, John said, Darrell, they could really use someone with your expertise. So I decided to leave Elsevier for 11 years and go to a company called Colexis, uh, which no one had heard of. And over the next three years, we were able to build that company up. And uh, we positioned it. We went from 400000 in revenue to $6 million, And then we uh, sold it to Elsevier, which I I introduced them to Elsevier, of course. And then after that, I did a short stint um, at AIP as the chief commercial officer, um, and then uh, started Country Media Group, which is a management consulting firm. And since 2011, formally, uh, I've had the opportunity of working with small, medium, and large companies and startups. And I have a roster of, I have a track record, which I'm very proud about, which I, well, people know that if you're talking to Darrell, then you must be doing something innovative. Uh, currently, I'm working with uh, a client, Underline Science, which is a virtual conference platform and digital video library. Um, they will be the Netflix of scientific lectures. Uh, you're going you're to remember, oh, I remember when Darrell mentioned that. That's what they are. And uh, I have a number of companies, like I'm working with Eptology. I'm an advisor to the CEO. And um, they have an AI-based behavioral characteristic tool that helps you to determine what is the success profile you need for a salesperson and having a person take a 20-minute questionnaire. And it will tell you um, if they're right fit or not. And uh, they're 85%, uh, their track record is like 85% correct. So um, that's just a couple of things that, that I'm working on. And um, recently, um, I got. I was appointed to the board of Global Dare, which is um, de 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 uh, defeating adult refsum disease everywhere. Uh, refsum is a very rare disease uh, that folks get. It affects your affects your your eyesight, affects your hearing. It 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 affects many things within you, and and I'm very excited about that because you know I really want to help mankind to be better in. You know, I, I am involved with scholarly research and, and, and with REFSUM and bringing that disease, that rare disease to force where people um, don't even know that they have it, but they have it. So, you know, I, I've had a very eclectic career, but it all ties together. And I can sit with an entrepreneur and understand, um, you know, what, what are their ills? And uh, you know, write a prescription to to help them. If they follow the med, if they take the medicine, they'll have success. <laughs> okay, excellent, excellent. So you had a tremendous amount of experience. You hit on a million things that are extremely valuable. So we're gonna we're gonna go into detail and break them down. Uh, but you know, definitely at the end of the day, you just said it all. 
you know, you can't help someone who's not willing to help themselves. And, you know, back in the day, one of my favorite TV commercials was with Dr. J. And, um, you know, he had a commercial um, with the, I guess the Converse All-Stars came out. Right. And, they, you know, they were like, you know, um, what can I do to fix my basketball game or something? <laughs> And he pulled him out. He said, "Take two of these and call me." The <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you know, so the doctor's prescription is uh, is is key. So you know, thanks for your for your comments, and um, you know, we put up um, Darrell's LinkedIn and his website, and we'll also put up um, link to his his show. But um, you know, some of the key things that, that you hit on, and we're just, I'm just going to list them now, and then we're going to come back. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk in more depth. But, you know, I think one thing that you mentioned is excellence, you know, in um, working with organizations who strive for excellence, working, striving for your own excellence. Actually, the tagline for my company is the pursuit of excellence never ends. And right. That's right. I love that tagline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, you know, you talked about mentorship and how mentorship and relationships, because at the end of the day, relationships are, you know, one of your biggest, most valuable things as a business owner. Um, you talked about goals and not just goals, but high level stretch goals, you know, doubling the size of your business. You know, they probably thought you were crazy when you came in with that. But, you know, that's and especially as a small business you shouldn't have small goals. You should be able to double. If you do it right every year, you're small enough that you could double your business. It's just, is that what you want to do? And are you willing to do what it takes to do it? And are you, are you, um, you know, confident enough to set that up as a goal? Um, your organization's only going to do what you, your goals are at most. So you know, it, it, it's, it's so important to write things down. And like, if you were in my office right now, you would see, a, a whiteboard and all these different things that I have on it, which is really where I'm focused, what I'm what I'm looking to 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 achieve. And if you don't write it down, it's going to be out of mind. But if you write it down and it's in this front of you every day, and you got to ask yourself, okay, did I do what I was supposed to do to get to my next step? Right. And it's okay to be honest. Okay, maybe today um, I got sidetracked. Okay, but tomorrow is a new day, and tomorrow is is day one of getting back on track, as my wife would say. She's very big on. Uh, Deb is a, a physical fitness trainer, and um, she works with folks fifty years and older. And she always talks about day one. You could. That's the beautiful thing. Day one can be every day. Yep. No, definitely. Every day is a new day, um, but you know you have to have goals in order to figure out if you achieved what you wanted. So you know, performance first, metrics, people yeah. call them performance metrics, key performance indicators, however, but they're goals that, that, right. that you can have. And you have to have a plan. That's why a business plan is so important. And it's amazing how many people don't have a plan or who have a way outdated plan. Um, you know, I, I preach that all day and, and, you know, I have, I have a business plan because I, you know, I can't tell other people and, um, you know, you can create it however you want. I mean, mine's in PowerPoint, but you know, it's over a hundred pages, but it's what I'm going to do over the next five years. Right. And even if I only do half of that, we'll be in a really great spot, but right. you know, I have a strategy for doing all those things. So, you know, planning is key. You talked about continuous learning, everything you've done, you you've learned, and made yourself more valuable. And people recognize that. That's why they brought you on to new opportunities. So, you know, making an effort to learn. And if you get somewhere where you're not learning, taking the initiative to get out of there and get to where you can learn. So that's key. Um, and really, you know, these are a lot of key things for entrepreneurs and business owners to, to know about and to, to focus on. So, and technology can is a tool to really be able to accelerate what you're doing. And that's really what we're talking about. Um, one thing I want to get into, and Darrell, um, you know, once your 
views on it is, you know, we talk about scaling and scaling your business and what that really means. And a lot of people, it doesn't just mean growing your sales. Right. Your business means a whole lot more than that. Um, so Terrell, talk to us about what that means and, and how people achieve that. Because a lot of times it takes technology to achieve that. That's right. I mean, t- technology is, is, is a tool. Um, I think the important thing that folks need to understand, they need to understand the critical path of their customer. Um, what is the product, good, or service you're selling your customer? How are they? How are you going to sell that to them? How are they going to purchase it? And how do they, they, they pay you? And then so you look at that critical path and you understand, take a look at to understand, well, what are the best practices? See, Andrew, we're in this day and age now where information is at our fingertips. I mean, you, you got you, you got a computer here, right? And whatever you need to know, it's there, but it's applying yourself to understand, well, what are the best practices and what are the most effective tools that are available for your business? Um, I learned a long time ago when I was I attended Seton Hall University at the Stillman School of Business um, in reading the book uh, about uh, the gentleman who was the chairman of Sony uh, when I was like 24, I think 23, 24, but how the Japanese, they would look at the best practices and then they would perfect the best practices, and and you and you and you want to do that with your 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 business, but you also need to look at your business very holistically in, in regard to um, your your team members and how you're going to educate them about how your business is going to be run. For example, uh, there's a lecture that I that that I do at Rutgers, the EPI program, called Building High Performing Teams. And basically, when you think about how to build a high-performing team, it's having all of your business processes documented so everyone, when someone joins your company, you can onboard them effectively so that they know exactly how you are going to conduct business so that, and what tools that you're going to provide them to conduct this business. So it's very important that all of this information is well documented. Now, people might think, oh my goodness, this is a lot of documents. Let me tell you, bullet points. I live by bullet points. My wife, Deb, got me into bullet points a long time ago because I used to write very long emails, you know, but you got to write succinct bullet points that really describe what you're doing and have some, some visual diagrams about the process. But then look at what is the technology that other successful businesses uh, that I'm competing with? Now, here's now here's a tidbit that, that I learned as a Vistage speaker. And Vistage is a group where you have a Vistage chair, and he'll recruit 10 CEOs from 10 different businesses, and they'll sit around a table once a month to talk about issues, challenges, and give each other feedback. And this is where, as a small business person, you could develop your own business council, people that you're not competing against in, in your region and doing business where you can share your experiences as well. Now, the other thing that I've seen some other people do, which I think is great. So if, if I'm in New Jersey or Pennsylvania, where I am now, um, and I knew that there was this person who's very successful on a regional basis in California, he or I or she or I can have a conversation about their best practices and about my best practices, and we won't have a negative effect on each other's business. We're, we're refining our business. We're, as, as I like to say, we're sharpening our blade, our blade of success. So, and you have to become a, a student of the game, but also you have to put people around you who are knowledgeable and who are trustworthy that they can give you information. Like I, I have a, I have a nephew, uh, Amin Nelson. He's a, he's a computer expert, and I'll call him up all the time, and and he'll give me great advice about uh, this particular aspect of a computer program that I need to know. So, again, you, you need to understand what is your business plan, understand the best practices, and understand the tools that people are utilizing. One of the concerns that I have with some of the small businesses in our community. It's like barbers. Some of them want cash all the time instead of taking a credit card. Now, 
I don't know why they're not using an ATM machine or, 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 or you know, have an ability to accept uh, electronic payments. Um, and how much business are they losing because of that? You know, because people go, oh, and, 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 and nowadays because of inflation, haircuts aren't cheap, so you got to carry money around, you know, and I don't know. I stopped carrying money around uh, decades ago. Um, and so, you know, you, you really got to look at, 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 at those particular aspects and ask yourself, am I really leveraging my business as well with this particular technology or do I need to really incorporate new technology to that? Okay, no, those are great, great points. And, you know, that is, you know, accepting credit cards can allow you to grow your business. Um, and, you know, but, you know, when we're talking about scaling, um, you know, using technology and, you know, one of the things is, you know, I talk to people about, okay, you don't want to just grow your revenues, but scaling inc incorporates growing your revenues at a much faster rate than growing your costs so right. that your profitability increases significantly. Right. And, you know, just like manufacturing is, you know, one of the best examples because you know if you have a manufacturing company you know you can use you can get leverage from your equipment but yep. also you can leverage your employees you know with five employees you might be able to make 10,000 units you know adding a sixth might allow you to make 15,000 units so you're getting and here's the concept I want to introduce which mm -hmm. I've been studying now for the last I, I've been big in knowledge management and on top of knowledge management, there's intellectual capital. And so lately I've been interviewing the world's gurus on intellectual capital. And this is, and this is, this is where for a small business, how a small business can scale because you want to understand within your operations, where, where are the best practices, who's doing the best practice, but you want to make sure that that knowledge, is shared among your team members so that everybody is doing the best practice. You'll be surprised how often a, a entrepreneur's business is hurting because they might have six employees, but only three are utilizing the best practices. Only three are doing suggestive selling. Only three are providing the best customer service. All of those things lends to having better profitability and it's a, it's so important that the entrepreneur establishes you know you got to have a vision you got to have a mission and you got to have strategy especially as a small business and okay. i and i find it i've done a poll every time that i would do this presentation at rutgers there would be like 30 to 50, 30 to 40 uh, entrepreneurs in the room 80% don't have job descriptions. 80% don't have a mission statement because they think it's they think it's foo foo. They think it's only for the big companies. No, no, it's for you, and it's for you and your team. Yep, and and it's really, you know, you take it back to, and it's really about the culture of your business. Oh, you know, as the yes. business owner, you have to create the culture of your business. And you're that's the leader. Really you're the leader. You know, there's a saying that um, culture eats strategy for breakfast every morning. And yes. what that means is that you can have the world's greatest strategy, but if your culture is not a good culture, you can forget about your strategy. You can forget about your business for the most part. Yep. I mean, definitely, you know, at the end of the day, um, the culture is about how we do things here. That's and right. either you're setting the tone for how we do things here or your employees are. That's right. And each of you has different goals. That's right. Um, so, you know, if you don't intentionally manage your culture, it's going to just become random. And that's yeah. not going to be good you know, for your business. Your, your, your culture becomes, you know, an open mic. You know, whoever gets up to the mic, you know, gets to say whatever they want. And 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 it's just hurting your advances. I, I I just I just remember early on when I was building the Elsevier organization from the ground up, um, 
it was very important that people understood what we what we stood for and how we were going to to grow to grow this business and people who would um who would not follow that uh they worked they were worked out of out of the organization you know sometimes i would say to the to the manager well if the employee accepts responsibility apologizes they can stay but if they don't do that i'm sorry they gotta go and there was a number of folks who chose to go only for them to see me later and say you know i really wish that i had behaved better i learned a lot from that experience yeah and and um it's not a bad thing for people to leave especially if it's the, the no. people that need to leave and you know if you have the right culture it will attract the people you want and repel the people that you don't want but, because but, also, but also let me say a lot of times uh, entrepreneurs, owners, they get upset when people leave and go to somewhere else. And 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 I would say to them, you need to be very relaxed about that. If you're treating your people well and they just got to yearn that they want to go do something, support them in that. Support them in that because you never know. They may come back or they may refer someone over to you um, who will do an equal job or better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, definitely... You know, it's it's about maintaining relationships, but you have to have the right people in the right places doing the right thing because they have the right motivation and they have the right support. And that can only happen if that's, you know, the business owner creates an environment for that to happen. And so I mean, let's look at the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. I said that right. That's football yeah. Tom Brady. I mean, come on, you know, um, uh, the, the coach, I don't know if he, he retired from Arizona, but he got, I don't know, but he's now in Tampa Bay and he gets Tom Brady and Tom Brady comes in there and the, and the guy set the tone, the coach set the tone that Tom Brady is the leader, you know, of the players and they won a Super Bowl in one year. Unprecedented. That is leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, recognizing, you know, what the strategy is and everybody being on the same page. Yes, yes. So a lot of times you have superstars, but not everybody's on the same page or running the same plans or strategies. But if you can get everybody aligned, it's incredible what you can do. Um, you know, you probably remember the movie um, Nemo, Finding Nemo. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, the scene where he sort of organized all the fish to swim out of the net. And, right. you know, they were just trying to get out on their own. But when he demonstrated leadership and got everybody to go in the same direction at the same time, they were able to accomplish something that otherwise they would have never been able to accomplish. And, and that's really about leadership and developing the right culture. You know I like to I like to use a lot of movie themes myself, and one I've been using lately is from Drumline. One band, one sound. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, it, it works, and it's it's incredible the results that you can get just by providing that direction. And and people want that direction. They want to know what they're supposed to do and be able to know that they're doing a good job. Because a lot of times you're in a job, you don't even know if you did a good job. You know, even when you get your review, it's kind of random because you didn't have any specific goals. So, you know, how are you going to, if you want to do a better job, how do you even know what to do? Well, see, and, and that's another point, Andrew. It's so important that you establish job descriptions, performance setting objectives, a performance review and a performance review should not happen once a year it should happen at least monthly but also in his book hoop dreams um phil jackson he always talks about taking 10 minutes and he talked about how did he manage all of these various different personalities if someone did something he would take 10 minutes right then not make a big deal about it but to say listen you know we're working towards we're working towards the situation and this particular behavior is not helping us get there. And, um, you know, six championships, you know? Yep. 
No, it, 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 it's the leadership. It's the little things. Um, you know, one thing that, you know, you talked about before is having information and data. And that's one of the first things I work on mm -hmm. with people because if you don't have good information, how are you going to make good decisions? That's right. And, that's right. you know, a lot of times, you know, you have a business, you've never managed people. Uh, and, you know, one of the books I always have people read is um, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, which is okay. outstanding. And, you know, one of the things he says is you can't manage people because people are unmanageable, but you can manage systems. So if you set up a system or a process, it helps people manage themselves. Right. And, you know, that's one thing I do for a lot of people. And, you know, one of the keys is developing key performance indicators. You got to have that. You got to have that. You know, right. we were all... We, we are knowledge workers. Professor Amar at Seton Hall actually had an article in Harvard Business Review, Review back in 2009 talking about knowledge workers, talking about people working remotely and all of that. And and now COVID hits and, you know, everyone has got to be working remotely until we get out of this pandemic. But you want to set those right objectives and you look at someone, do they have the skill? Do they have the will to do a particular to do a particular job? But giving them notice that, hey, this is what I expect of you, and they accept that, then th then they will deliver. And if they don't deliver, well, you know, they have, they have moved themselves out of their own role. Right, right. And, you know, one of the things is having KPIs, but also managing using them. And yep. one thing we generally do is we set up a weekly KPI meeting. So every week the managers have to sit down with the owner and create the KPI report and talk about how they did versus their KPI goals. So the owner doesn't have to be after you to see what you're doing or wonder what you're doing because every week they got to come to you with it. That's right. And they, you know, if they didn't meet their goal, they got to come and explain why. And it's amazing how much performance increases and how oh, yeah. much ownership they take over it. And, you know, not only that, it gives them a tool so that they can go back to people that work for them and say, hey, we're not meeting our goals. You need to do this because, you know, as an owner, you have to be able to push your influence through the organization and you you have to do it through your employees. And, you know, by by measuring that, you know, one of my clients, they doubled their profitability on the same sales, mm -hmm. just because every week they had a goal, you know, and it was measured. And um, it's incredible, the results, and it makes it easier because your people self-manage. That's right. Because they know what the job is and they just do it. True, um, knowledge, true knowledge workers, um, it's, a beautiful, it's a very beautiful thing because they are also um, going to bring new ideas as to how to further grow the business, and the owners should should uh, must listen. But the other thing, Andrew, owners have got to figure out how do you allow your team members to partake in in the profitability of the business. Yes, um, Sun Tzu in the Art of War. Um, talks about when they would siege a village that everybody, all the troops based upon their rank would receive some type of financial benefit. And I, I think some small businesses miss that point. Well, I'm paying them a salary, aren't I? You know, um, yes, you are. But also they're contributing to the intellectual capital of your business, which ensures that it's going to be an ongoing concern. So I, I'm just appealing to uh, the owners of the businesses to give thought to how can you allow them to share beyond just the basic paycheck that you provide them or the, the medical care that you provide them? Yes, no, definitely. And, you know, as, as a small business owner, yeah, you're paying them, but usually you're paying less than market. Mm -hmm. So you have to do things beyond that. And, and also if you're making money, there's nothing wrong with sharing. Um, you know, that motivates people and, you know, you're still, you're going to make more money because of that. 
Uh, and you're not going to lose your good people, um, which is which is key. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're definitely chatting about that. You know, like like I said, you know, time really flies when you're having fun. You know, we're we're coming up on the end of the hour. Um, I know it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but it's always great. I mean, you've learned a lot. So what I want to do is, Darrell, we've talked about a whole bunch of things. And all of them are valuable to business owners, but everybody can't do everything immediately. So I want you to think about, you know, what are the key things that a business owner, entrepreneur should take away from this conversation and be able to implement within their business immediately? We've had a tremendous conversation about not just how technology within your business, but scaling your business. Um, relationships, your business culture, um, all the things that you as a business owner need to be thinking about and knowing and understanding and doing so that you will be a better leader and more successful um, in your efforts to grow your business. Um, so, you know, given that we talked about so many things, it's hard to kind of just keep track of all that. So we want to give you a couple key things to focus on as you move forward in this week so that you can put them to work immediately and see some progress and make progress because it's about every day is a new day and every day you have opportunities to make progress. So Darrell, tell us a little bit about what people should be taking away from our conversation. So a couple of practical things. One is that um, have an advisor or an advisory board, two or three people that you trust and they, each of them bring something different to the table. Sit down with them, and then uh, for you to do a SWOT analysis of your business, and then have them do a SWOT analysis of, the, of, of your business, and then have a discussion about uh, the strengths, the weaknesses, and the opportunities and threats. That's number one. Number two is that based upon that discussion, establish the priority list of 10 things. but prioritize them one through 10 and focus on the first three things for that. And then the last thing, you know, become an avid reader. Make sure you're reading the Wall Street Journal, New York Times business section, and also uh, books of very successful people because you're going to glean uh, very good ideas from uh, each, each of those authors and, and business types. And you're going to, use what fits for your business. So that's three things that you can immediately uh, get started with that will have an immediate impact on your business. And also be thinking, critically thinking about your business, thinking that, okay, so here's the best practice. How can I make it better? Or what is the new, or what is the nuance that I can add to it um, to, to ensure that uh, my business is going to be an ongoing concern? Outstanding. So yeah, so those those are key things. So um, there you have it, you know, advisors, build your knowledge. Also, thanks for reminding me, Darrell's new book. Um, what's it? It's titled Transforming Scholarly Research with Blockchain Technologies and AI. But what you'll find in here, um, this is a good primer uh, on blockchain and AI but we have examples of these technologies helping other businesses as well. Okay, and can they access that from your company website or from your LinkedIn profile? Uh, yes, 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 they can um, okay. uh, from, from my LinkedIn profile, but the publisher is IGI Global. And there's a code, because this is an academic book and academic books are expensive, but with this code IGI50, at checkout on the IGI Global website, you get a 50% discount. Oh, that's that's cool. So yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I saw the price of the book. It's not inexpensive. So. The, 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 book, <laughs> the book retails for two, $205, but with the 50% discount, you'll get it down to $100. But, you know, because academic books, that's how the the academic publishers price them. Yeah, and it's, it's so uh, you know they have paperback as well. It's a little cheaper, you know, but <laughs> right. And and it's it's you know 
very valuable and timely um, knowledge and information about blockchain and technology. So, um, you know, definitely if that's an area of interest, I encourage you to check it out. Um, you've got Darrell's LinkedIn profile here, so you can go check him out, learn a little bit more, um, get access to the book. And, and, and let me say, if, if there's some folks out there that, that would like to have a session with me, I always offer my first session as a complimentary just 30-minute discussion. So, Okay, and um, you already have your first taker, Iron Mike Stedman. I, you um, know what? I'm a huge fan of Mike Stedman. He has that... Uh, that fabulous uh, boxing gym and uh, in Newark, New Jersey. And Mike doesn't know this, but I'm on the board of the United States uh, Amateur Boxing Foundation. And I put his name forward for them to contact him about joining me on the board there for the foundation, because he's doing a lot of great things. One of our, one of our, our young leaders who's doing a tremendous job there in the city of Newark. Excellent. And, and you just never know who knows you or who's looking out for you. So, it's, it's important to always, you know, if you're doing excellent stuff, people recognize and notice. So um, this has been great, Darrell. Um, glad we got a chance to sit down and chat. I wish we had many more hours because, you know, we just scratched the surface. But yeah. we're going to have to have you on again and, you know, continue this conversation because we would we love to do it, um, you know. Um, Tuesday, now the only problem is Tuesday nights, I am my adjunct professor at Seton Hall uh, in, in the fall and in, in the spring. So that's why I was able to do this now because school doesn't start until <laughs> a couple of weeks. Okay, <laughs> well, we'll figure out how to fit it in. So, but, but that's great that you're able to join us. So once again, Darrell Gunter, doing great things. Thank you for, for joining us. Thank and you for having me and, and God bless and all the best to you and all the great things that you're doing for the small businesses. Thank you. Thank you. So once again, Leadership Live at 805. Um, Darrell was, you know, shared some outstanding things. And, you know, also, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what it's all about is the more you know, the faster you'll be able to grow. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Leadership Live at 805, Talking Small Business. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Leadership Live is one of the many valuable resources provided through the Small Business Pro University, empowering business owners to learn, profit, and grow. Find out more at sbprou.com.